Let's pray as we uh, get ready to look into God's Word this morning. Father, I know myself, I know uh, many of us, as we live in this world, we can easily get caught up in priorities and values that are, that are not in tune with you, your truth, the life that you offer us, and we get, we get confused and we get deceived, and we start to value other things more than you and your kingdom. Lord, help us this morning. Clear our thinking. Work in our hearts. Help us to value that which is supremely valuable. Thank you for the gift of your word this morning. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand and believe and treasure your truth today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to Matthew chapter 6. And if you don't have one, there should be one in the rack in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, we would love to have you take that, make it your own, put your name in it, read it. Matthew chapter 6, I want to start with a question for you to think about, just ponder this a little bit. If I were to tell you to act like a Christian, what would you think I was telling you to do? Now, you don't have to answer out loud, just chew on that for a second. If I were to tell you to act like a Christian, what would you think I was telling you to do? See, that could mean a couple of very different things depending on how you understand the word act. Now, sometimes when we say act, we mean do something, take action. Do something as opposed to doing nothing, All right? So as the advertisers say, act now and don't miss this tremendous opportunity. Now, if, if that's what we mean, then to act like a Christian means to behave like a Christian, to behave the way a Christian, a follower of Jesus, should behave. In other words, live your life the way Jesus wants you to live it. Trust Him. Rely on Him to enable you to follow His leadership and to live out your life with His grace and His truth. Now, if that's what we mean, then that's right on. That's right on. And in fact, that's one of the main lessons of the Sermon on the Mount. Trust Christ, live the way he wants you to live. But now there's, a, there's another way we use the word act that gives us a very different meaning. And now I'm talking about act in the sense of playing a part like an actor. Performing a role. Putting on a show pretending to be something you're not. We actually have an actor living in our home. It's our dog, Blue. <laughs> Blue likes to play the part of a ferocious watchdog. So when someone comes to the door, he, he sounds really tough 
with all of his barking and growling and carrying on. But you know, it's all just an act. Deep in his heart, blue as a cream puff. He, uh, he acts tough, but he's a fake. He's just a big fake. Now, if we use act in that sense, then act like a Christian means pretend. Pretend to be the way that you think a Christian, a follower of Jesus, should be, even if it's not real. So, perform the role of a Jesus follower. Do things that appear Christian. So you can convince other people that, you know, maybe you're more spiritual, maybe you're more obedient to God than you really are. In other words, fake it. Now, I would guess that most people would say or agree that acting like a Christian in that sense, in the phony sense, in the faking it sense, would, would agree that's a bad idea. And yet it happens. It happens. Uh, we humans seem to have a built-in tendency to want other people to think that we're better than we really are. And I know this, not only because I'm human, and I find this tendency in myself, wanting other people to think I'm better than I am, but I also know this because Jesus warns us about this very thing. See, he knows what we're like. He knows what we struggle with. He knows about this temptation we face to pretend. And Jesus has been telling us in the Sermon on the Mount how we need to be. He's telling us in the Sermon on the Mount that we need something to be included in his kingdom. And that something that we need is righteousness. Real, authentic, genuine righteousness that starts from the inside out. We need to be right in God's eyes. We need to be good as God defines goodness. But we're not. We're not. And you know, the more Jesus goes on, as he's been doing, as we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, the more he describes to us what authentic righteousness looks like, the more he tells us how high his standards really are, God's standards are so high, the more he tells us this, the more we realize how far short we really fall. So what do you do? What do you do when you realize you need righteousness, but you don't have it? Well, Jesus' answer is, beautiful. He says, admit you don't have it, and then come to me and ask me for it, and I will give it to you. And then rely on me so that my righteousness transforms you 
Rely on me to live it out. See, back at the very beginning of the sermon, the very first thing he said was, blessed, happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who realize they're spiritually bankrupt. Happy are those who realize they need to be righteous, but they know they're not. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, how'd they get the kingdom? Jesus gave it to them. So you rely on him every day to transform you with his righteousness. You rely on him every day for, to, for him to enable you to live his righteousness out. Okay, but that means you have to give up being in control of your life. And it means you have to be honest with God. And it means you have to be honest with other people. Uh, You actually have to depend on Jesus. You actually have to trust him and listen to what he says and, and seek to do what he says. So sometimes it really might just feel a whole lot more appealing just to fake it. Just to act like a Christian. In that phony pretending sense of act like a Christian. So that's why I think Jesus turns to this topic in the next section of his sermon. He knows that after all he's been telling us about what real righteousness looks like, after all he's been telling us about how high his standards really are, he knows we're going to be tempted to fake it. Why? Well, maybe we still want to be in control. Or maybe uh, maybe it just seems like way too much trouble to really deal with the yuck on the inside. Maybe I've learned lots of ways to just ignore that and not want to deal with it. Jesus' righteousness wants to go deep, and I don't want to go deep. So maybe I'll just fake it. I don't want to deal with that yuck. Maybe there are secret sins that we still enjoy, and we don't want to give those up yet. Or maybe, just maybe... We want other people to admire us. And we think that if they really knew us, they might not admire us. We crave their approval. And we fear that we'll lose that approval if we're honest. So there are several reasons why faking it might seem like a good idea. And Jesus says, no, it's not a good idea. It's not worth it. So we're going to take a look. What I want to do now is I want to uh, read the next section of the sermon that we're going to be looking at, and then over the next several weeks, we're going to take it in smaller bites. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, I'm going to read down through verse 18. I invite you to follow along. There's a note sheet in your folder if you want to. Take that out. Take some notes. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So back in verse 1, Jesus gives us what is essentially the main lesson of this next section. And then he goes on and he applies that lesson to several particulars. Now I'm going to summarize his main lesson like this. Don't act like a Christian. Don't act like a Christian. I'm sure if you go home later and tell people that was the point of the message, people will be very interested in that. Let me be clear. Let me be very clear. I am not saying don't behave like a Christian. I'm saying don't pretend. Don't fake it. Don't try to appear righteous. Instead, actually live righteously by relying on Jesus and His righteousness. Don't act. Don't perform like a Christian. Now, why not? Why not act like a Christian? Why, why shouldn't we fake it? Why shouldn't we just try to appear righteous? This is where this gets really interesting to me. Because right about here is where I would expect the Bible to say something like, don't do that because it's wrong. Don't do that because it's a sin. Don't do that because it's bad. That's not what Jesus says. Yes, faking righteousness is wrong, it's bad, it's a sin. But that's not the reason Jesus gives us for not doing it. Look what he says. He says, don't do it because you will miss out on what God wants to give you. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Let that sink in. Just let that sink in. Think about what that implies. 
I just want to encourage you. This is amazing. And I want to encourage you to just stop a minute before we go on any further and just be amazed at how much Jesus loves you. Be amazed by what he says about God the Father, that your Father in heaven has a reward that he wants to give you, and he doesn't want you to miss it. God desires to bless you. God desires to reward you. God desires to give you joy, to bestow some kind of eternal reward on you, and he doesn't want you to miss it. What a staggering thought that is. And yet, that is so hard for us to believe at times. We are so prone to doubt God's goodness toward us. Even if we believe he's good, we think, well, yeah, he's good, but, you know, he's good to other people. He doesn't really want to be good to me. Or maybe we just wonder if he's really good. Do you know that's why Adam and Eve blew it? That's why they ate the one fruit they weren't supposed to eat instead of the, the, the thousands and millions of other fruit. And think about that. God creates this incredible, incredible orchard of just who knows how many different kinds of fruit. And I, I guarantee whatever those fruits were, they taste better than the fruit we've got today. Way better. Here's this whole just incredible supply of fruit. God says, help yourself. Whatever you want, whatever looks good. This is all good. It's all good for you. It's nutritious. It's delicious. But there's one I don't want you to eat because you've got to trust me. This won't be good for you. And they said to themselves, I think he's holding out on us. They thought he was holding out. They they did not trust him to be good to them and that's what we do every single time we sin we don't trust god to be good to us and jesus is telling us don't be fake because god is good and he does not want you to miss out on the good thing that he wants to give you So what this means is this direction for not acting like a Christian in the fake sense, not pretending, not faking it, this direction actually contains within it the key to living it out. I want to show you that. Okay, Let me show you as we think this through. How not to act like a Christian. Now this won't really make sense until it's all put together, so just be patient and Bear with me here. How not to act like a Christian. First, go ahead and do good things. Go ahead and do good things. When Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, he assumes we're going to do good things. 
That's what he means by practicing righteousness. It means doing righteous things, doing good things, doing the things God wants us to do. Okay, so now, now we're talking about acting like a Christian in the right sense, behaving the way a follower of Jesus should behave, taking action, doing good stuff. Okay, so this is going to sound really weird, but the point is, don't act like a Christian, act like a Christian. Got it? In other words, don't pretend, but do act, do take action. Now, this is really important to keep in mind, because sometimes we get confused. Jesus is talking about hypocrisy, and sometimes we think, well, the way to not do hypocritical things is to not do those things at all. That's not what he says. When he says, don't be like the hypocrites, don't do things for the wrong reason, his solution is not to stop doing the things we should do. His solution is to change our motives and stop being hypocrites. So righteousness is supposed to start in our hearts, but it's never to stop in our hearts. You know, <laughs> We're not just to be sitting around thinking righteous thoughts and feeling righteous feelings and having righteous motives, but it's to produce righteous stuff, righteous actions, what the Bible calls fruit. And we see this all throughout the Bible. Good root always produces good fruit. So doing good things, as God defines good things, is assumed here. And then as Jesus goes on, he talks about three good things in particular. And these would be three things that would be especially meaningful to his first audience there. These people were uh, Jews. And so he talks about three good things in particular that they all knew that they need to be doing. And he talks about giving to the needy. And then he talks about praying. And then he talks about fasting. And we're going to look at those three things, Lord willing, in turn. But the point here is that Jesus expects his followers to do good things, so go ahead and do them. But now, the second point is critical. How do you do good things and it not be fake? Answer. Do good things for the good reward. Do good things for the good reward. As opposed to doing good things for the cheap reward, the puny reward, the insignificant reward that won't last. And what is that? It's the temporary reward of human admiration. Do good things for the good reward. Don't do them for human admiration. That's what Jesus means when he talks about not practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Doing good things so people will look and go, whoa, yeah, there's a good person right there. And it's what he means in verse 2 when he talks about hypocrites doing what they do so they may be praised by others. Do you know the word hypocrite originally meant actor? 
That's where it comes from. Doing what they do so they may be praised by others. So it's all about winning the admiration of others, winning their approval, winning their applause, and caring more about the applause of people than the applause of God. Human admiration, according to Jesus, is a reward not worth having if it means losing out on God's reward. Human admiration is not worth having if it means missing out on God's reward. Now, I want to put a clarification in here. Jesus is not saying that it's wrong for other people to find out about good things that we do. As if, you know, you tried to do it without anybody finding out, but somebody found out, so now the whole thing's no value, it's gone. As if good deeds must be anonymous or they, they don't have any value with God. Okay, that's not what he's saying, and we know that's not true because of what Jesus said back in chapter 5, verse 16. Look at it. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Oh, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's a key part of that. So see, what Jesus is warning us about is not people seeing our good works. What he's warning us about is not to do good works in order to be seen. It's that motive. Why are you doing the good thing you're doing? Whose glory are you seeking? Who do you want to be admired? Who do you want to be uh, honored? Who do you want to get the praise? God or you? See, in 5.16, Jesus is saying, Do things so people give glory to God. Here he's saying, don't do things in order that people give glory to you. That's the difference. So the problem is not people knowing about a good thing we do. And you know something? The problem is not even if people praise the good things that we do. In fact, in Scripture, we are encouraged, commanded really, to give honor to people to whom honor is due, to show appreciation for the good work that they do. So the problem is not even people praising the good thing we do. The problem is when we want their praise, and that wanting of praise becomes the motive for why we do the things we do. And now we become an actor seeking applause. And Jesus says... If that's the reward you want, that's the reward you get, and that's all you get. When that is our motive, you know, just just that, that temporary, that tiny little thrill from being admired by people, when that's our motive, we inevitably end up being fake. Why? Because when our goal is human applause then we do what we do to get human applause. We do what we do that people will like, that people will approve of, that people will admire. And so we'll get the applause that we crave. That is a fake righteousness. It's not the real thing. And here's the problem. We end up trading the good reward for this really pathetic reward. 
we're all living for reward. Every now and then I'll run across someone, a writer or a speaker or something, and they say, no, you shouldn't live for reward. Don't live for reward. That's crazy. We all live for reward. That's like telling me, you know, don't breathe. We live for reward because that's the way God wired us. The question is not whether we live for reward. The question is, what is the reward we're living for? Are we living for human admiration? Are we living to be admired by other people? Or, you know, frankly, even by ourselves. That's a form of human admiration. I do what I do so that I can feel really good about myself. Or are we living for the reward that God wants to give us? Someone might ask, well, what exactly is that reward? Well, Jesus doesn't spell it out here, but the rest of the Bible has a lot to say about all of the wonderful things that God promises to those who trust him. And that would make a great little Bible study for you. Just start thumbing through the Bible and noticing all the good things that God promises for those who trust him. The point here is, whatever that reward is, it's way, 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 way better than merely being admired by people. Because it's from God. So I said earlier, the key to living out this instruction is contained within the instruction. How do you stop living for human admiration? Because that's what causes us to be fake, you know, trying to convince people that we're better than we really are. So they'll, they'll admire us. How do you stop doing that? How do you stop acting like a Christian instead of actually living like a Christian? You choose to live for the greater reward. That's the key. You choose to live for the greater reward. You say, human admiration? Yeah, sure, it makes me feel good, but it, it doesn't last, it doesn't satisfy, and it makes me fake. So I don't want to live for that reward. I want to live for God's reward. C.S. Lewis said something that really impacted me uh, and a lot of people. He, what he said really gets at the crucial thing here. I think it's on your note sheet and it'll be on the screen. But look at what he said. This was in a sermon entitled The Weight of Glory. He says, If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, and I might add here, human admiration. When infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. So here's what the question comes down to. For me, for you, for each one of us, what reward are you living for? Don't be too easily pleased. I want to invite you today, I want to invite you to choose to decide that God's reward 
is the reward you will seek. That God's reward is the reward worth having, worth pursuing. So that you will choose to stop living merely for human admiration or whatever other trinket you're choosing to live for. Human admiration and all the other trinkets of this world, it's not good enough. It's just not nearly good enough. You know, and yet we perform for human admiration like trained seals. Don't settle for that. That's like playing with mud pies in the slum. Choose the holiday at sea. Choose to believe that God's reward is infinitely, infinitely better. Trust Christ. Live for that reward. That's what will keep you from being fake. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and you sense God by His Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying you need to give up that cheap little reward you've been living for. You need to live for the reward that I want to give you. And I just want to encourage you To do, to do that. If you're here this morning and, and you have never yet put your trust in Jesus Christ and His righteousness and begun to live for the reward that He wants to give you, I invite you to do that. If, if you don't know what that means, if you'd like to talk more about it, uh, I would just encourage you to come and talk to me right when we're done here. I'd be glad to talk about it with you. Or if you have a question, when we take a break here, you can write that on your slip that's in your worship folder and put that in the offering. I'd be glad to either respond to that or if you have a prayer request. But if you want, if you want to experience Christ and His righteousness, if you want to be set free from trying to earn it on your own merit, if you want to be set free from the puny, pathetic rewards that this world offers, then I would encourage you not, not to walk away today until you've, you've made that decision, you've made that commitment. So I'm going to be quiet here. just want to give all of us an opportunity to pray. It's very easy to get our eyes off the true reward and to get dazzled by pathetic little trinkets. Take a moment and Just go to God and ask him to help you focus on the true reward. Father, you are so much greater, so much more glorious, so much more awesome than our little minds can contain. And we get distracted, we get confused, and we start to question your goodness. Lord, help us, set us free from that tendency. Help us be convinced that you are good and choose to trust you 
and choose to trust your reward. Jesus has proven this to us once and for all by dying and rising from us, that you are good and you are for us. Help us believe that. That's a fact of history. You demonstrated your love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, may that good news just set us free from all the pretending that we're prone to. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.